0: Uh, if you're new to Willow Park Church, we, you will know that we are in a season of uh, working our way through uh, uh, the Lord's Prayer. And, and of course, I prayed, and that is something that uh, Phil also talked about, uh, about, uh, about forgiveness. Uh, but this is then how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And although we have worked our way through these verses and we've spoken about the nature of the Father God, who is one that that moves in our hearts, can I remind you that the Jesus revolution is always driven by prayer? That when He came, He taught us to pray. And that when we want to see lives changed, it comes through the power of prayer and about God reaching out. It also comes with that deep sense that we are kingdom people and God is calling us to cultivate kingdom principles within the world. And to cultivate all that is fruitful and good in the kingdom. And that's why we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And so our deepest cry, as from last week, is that thy will be done. This whole idea is that God doesn't take away who we are by fulfilling his will. By fulfilling his will, his will is that we become the people that God has designed us to be. And I said before, God is not in love with a future version of you. God is in love with you today. And God loves you and cares for you. But here we have, give us today our daily bread. It comes right here. Now in Matthew's gospel, we get this very deep sense that this, this prayer, this give us this day our daily bread, has a spiritual sense to it. And in Luke's prayer, it has a very practical sense to it. There's that sense of soul and stomach. Give us this day our daily bread with soul and stomach. And you see, what God wants to do, just as we start to understand, he wants to come and feed those who are broken, feed those who are struggling, feed those who in the soul have lost something. But also, he practically wants to meet with us and be with us and meet with our needs and and come close to us in our lives. He comes to meet us practically and spiritually by giving us the bread of life that makes all the difference. Now, it's not surprising that we only reach... this moment at this point in the prayer, because you can pray for your daily needs with confidence. Why? Because you haven't just steamed into the presence of God, wanting God to do this, God to do that, God to work. And sometimes our prayer life can be incredibly frantic. We can come into the presence of God and instantly we pull out our list, our shopping list before God, and it's God, I need this, I need that, I need this. Please help me here. And we come into the presence of God and we're all like a locomotive. We're all steamed up. We're all going for it. And it feels like, feels very unfulfilling actually. But by the time we get to daily bread, what we are understanding is this. That we have adored God as our Father and affirmed that He is a good Father. He is in heaven. He reigns over all things. That we have hallowed His name. And often when I'm praying through the Lord's Prayer, I will crack open the Thompson Chain reference Bible. Do you remember those? And in the back, you've got all these references. I was given my Thompson Chain Bible in 1980. 84 of a gentleman called Art Atkinson who lived in an obscure Saskatchewan town that I was visiting. You knew it had to do with Saskatchewan. And, and he gave me this Bible. He probably thought I needed it. And so I open it and then all this wonderful... And in, in the pages under names, it has all the names of God, all the names of Jesus, all the names of the Holy Spirit. And when I would get to this point and pray... Hallowed be thy name. I would pray the names of God. I would start to work through. And many of them over the years I've memorized. You are my fortress. You are my deliverer. You are my rock. You are my salvation. You are the light of the world. You are the lion of the tribe of Judah. You are the rock on which I build my life on. You are my deliverer. You are wonderful. You are counsellor. You are the everlasting father. You are the prince of peace. Amen? Wow. I tell you what, by the time I've uh, uh, confirmed my relationship with God, my dad, God, my Abba, God, my father, by the time I have declared the beauty of his name and who he represents, and then I pray thy kingdom come, which is to pray your will in my life, your reign in my life, your will in my family, your reign in my family, your will in the place of work, your reign in the place of work. Your will in the church that I'm part of. That God will reign and lead us. Your will in the city of Kelowna. Your will in in the great province of British Columbia. Your will in Canada. By the time I get to give me this day my daily bread. I believe that God is for me, not against me. I know that God is with me. Because it starts with Adoration. It starts with intimacy. It starts with closeness. And so I come and I pray, Lord, thy will be done. Because the Lord invites us to eat from his table, and it's a good table, and it's a table full of bread for your soul and for your stomach. I don't know if you've come this morning and maybe you know that you are lacking in your soul. Or maybe you've come this morning and you are struggling with practical things. What the Lord's Prayer teaches us is that he wants to meet your needs at your soul, but he also wants to come and invite you to a table where he can meet your practical needs as well. I believe God cares about the hunger in your soul, but God also cares about the emptiness of your fridge. And that he cares about the struggles, and he cares about what you go through. He cares about And yet Jesus was so often so accused. See, look at him eating. Look at him drinking. Look at what he does. They called him a wine-bibber and a glutton. That's the King James Version. I like that. Bibber. Has a ring to it, doesn't it? I know lots of English people who are wine-bibbers. And they usually go on holiday to Spain. But... Or you meet them in Cancun, I apologise to you. Little stocky Saxons drinking too much ale. It's their wine, Bibbers. But they would look at Jesus and they would say, look at Jesus, look at him eating there, look at him drinking there. He is a glutton. He is a drunkard, a little phrase, glutton, drunkard. You might just think, well, he's, you know, having too many parties. You might think that this statement is to do with, you know, he's hanging out with these people and they didn't really like it. No, there's a far deeper meaning to this verse is because as the religious establishment looked on and they saw Jesus with the prostitutes, saw Jesus with the poor, saw Jesus with those who weren't the 2% elite in the nation of Israel, they looked at him and what they were actually saying is he is a... Wine drinker and a glutton, which means, right back to the Old Testament, he is a disloyal son of Israel. Look at him in his disloyalty. See, they were thinking of this verse. If someone has a stubborn son and his rebellious son, who does not obey his father and mother, and will not listen to them when they discipline him, Now, how many of us have been here? (laughs) Who has been this son here? You're all going quiet. (laughs) I'm not recommending this as a form of, 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 uh, of how to parent correctly, by the way. His father and his mother shall take him hold of him and bring him to the elders at the gate of his town. And they shall say to the elders, This son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey us. He is a glutton and a drunkard. So what is he saying? This son is disloyal to the family and therefore he must die. And when they looked at Jesus... They were looking at him and they were calling him a glutton and a drunkard because they were looking at him and saying he is disloyal to the way of the temple. He's disloyal to the 700 extra laws that we've added on to the Torah. He is disloyal to our religious hierarchical. He is disloyal to the way that we do things. And yes, look at him eating and drinking at these table. He speaks of disloyalty to the things that we We hold and we cherish, which is our religious eliteness. And yet Jesus was not being disloyal, but he was being loyal to the one person we should always be loyal to, the heart of the Father. And the heart of the Father is that he is loyal to the broken. He is loyal to the poor. He is loyal to the hungry. He is loyal to those who have nowhere to go. And he says, come, I give you the bread of life. They may call, by this they're saying, He is he's a disloyal and rebellious rabbi who is a drunkard who, knew, who is a disgrace to the very temple and its system which was bearing no fruit. And what must we do with him? Then the men of his town are to stone him to death. You must purge the evil from amongst you and all of Israel will hear of it and be afraid. And that's why they attempted again and again to stone Jesus. And that's why at one point they would take him and they would nail him to a cross. And they would nail him there because of his disloyalty to their worldly religious system of death that gave no hope. But Jesus was nailed to the cross because he was the bread of God, the bread of heaven, the bread of eternal life. And he was nailed to that cross and his body was broken so that you and I may live. See, God loves to invite people who are hungry and broken in soul and spirit and says, come on, eat with me. Come on, discover. Come on, join with me. He loves it. In the great Psalm 23, says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. He says, you know, you may feel you've got enemies in life. I don't know what your enemies are. Maybe it's worry. Maybe it's anxiety. Maybe it's stress. Maybe it's bitterness. Maybe it's broken relationships. Maybe it's that you've messed your life up with bad choices. Maybe you've got enemies that are wrecking your life. But if you come, Come to God's table and you come to him and eat of the bread of heaven. He will come to you and he will protect you from the enemies of this world. Give us this day our daily bread is a prayer, Lord. Come, come and eat with me. Come and present yourself with me. In fact, Joshua declared in Numbers 14... He declared that, uh, that, look at the enemies in Canaan, all of these enemies, but they will be like bread before us. We will, we will devour them. And the very nature of Christ and his death on the cross was that he devoured death. He devoured sin. He devoured Satan. He devoured the evil in this world by him being nailed to that tree. And When you've got enemies... And they're often struggles in life. When you've got enemies, you can eat of the bread and he will give you the daily bread and you will sit at his table and he will protect you from the enemies in this world. Didn't he say that I'll be with you? You know, it goes right back to when they were traveling in the wilderness. And they were lost in slavery and then they were in the wilderness. And then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. And the people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. And in this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. And on the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in. That is, to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. You see, give us this day our daily bread. Is reminding us that when we live in an in-between place between freedom from slavery and the promised land... And we live in that in-between place between the slavery of our sinful life and the coming of the kingdom when we will be with him for eternity. God says, I will provide you with living bread that will sustain you in your life. In fact, if you went into the temple or in the tabernacle and there was the the jar of manna in in the Ark of the Covenant and it was kept fresh, by the presence of God. And if you turned around and looked, there was another altar, and it was the altar uh, where the showbread was, where the presence bread was. And there the bread sat, 12 pieces, and they represented the presence of God at work within the lives. And when we pray, Lord, Give us this day our daily bread. At a soul level, we are praying, Lord, today I need your presence. Today I need your strength. Today I need your sustenance. My soul is hurting. I need fresh manna. I need manna to fall from heaven today to feed me because I need your presence. You see, it says in Scripture that if you leave the manna and try and collect it and hoard it, then it will become full of maggots. Is it possible that we live on past experiences of God that are really dead? But the only experience that counts is today and your relationship with the presence of God in your life. People come to me and they say, hey, Pastor Phil, can I have coffee with you? Of course, I'd love to have coffee with you. And, and I sit down and they tell me their story. You know, I, one young man who I was working with, I was so on fire for the Lord. I'd, I, would, I was preaching. I would preaching in all these camps in my 20s. I was moving around. And he was a very outgoing young man. He had a lot of confidence. He said, oh, and he said, I even went on mission trips. And we went into the high mountains of Asia. And in one evening, the whole village came out. And I preached and 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 people gave their lives to Jesus. It was amazing. And he kept telling me about these amazing stories in his 20s. The problem was he was 45. And I said to him, "What's going on now?" He looked down and he scratched the table a bit and was was picking the varnish off the table and sort of flicking it. I could tell he was getting nervous. He said, my marriage is a mess. My wife has left me. I've lost my job. I used to be in ministry, but it's been eight years since I've been in ministry. The problem is, is that we can live on the manner of the past, which is full of maggots now. Because we have to live in the bread of the present. Today... Is the Lord's day. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us that intimacy. Give us that closeness. Meet me in my soul. Meet me in my stomach. Come, Lord. You promised me milk and honey. I move from the slavery to the place of milk and honey, a place of intimacy, a place of closeness. I am lost. And the Lord's heart is, I create a table and I invite all those who are lost. You know that beautiful chapter in Luke chapter 15. We've got the lost lost coin. We've got the lost sheep. We've got the lost A son who's the prodigal son who goes up. Do you know what God loves to do? He loves to find things that are lost. He found you and me, didn't he? And when he finds us, he says, I've got bread for you and I am the bread of life and I will fill your soul and I will fill your stomach. You are lost in your life, but I'm going to fill your life and I'm going to meet with you because I welcome everybody who is lost. Listen, you may have messed your life up. You may have, have turned it around in a direction that has been disastrous to you. But I want to say, give us this day our daily bread. It's not too... Too late to come back to the bread of life. It's not too late to commit yourself to the bread of heaven. It's time to find yourself again in Christ, soul and stomach. I remember I was uh, I was working at a big Christian event, and uh, it was. 5,000 Christians had arrived on this site. It was a campsite, but it's a campsite sort of supersized. It had a swimming pool like H2O with all the slides. It had uh, cabins and apartments. And it was a secular venue that the Christians would rent every Easter. And I was employed as a young Youth of Christ worker because lots of young people did not go into the services. And my job was to wander around chatting to young people who didn't want to chat about God. It's wonderful. And, and I'd wander up to them. I was, what, uh, 19, 20. I'd say, how you doing? I was the kind of youth worker. Back then I was cool. And... Don't you really wonder why? I never thought I would be uncool until I had teenage children. And, and they roll your, their eyes at you like, Dad, be quiet. Am I really that dad? <laughs> yes, you are. And, and so I was wandering around kind of being trying to be cool and everything. And every day I used to go out onto the beach and walk up and down the beach at the seafront in Devon praying. And if you know anything about me, I like to pray. And if you know anything about me, I can be a bit demonstrative. I've got better. Uh, But I was walking and talking and I was praying and three guys were looking at me. And they said, what are you doing? I said, I'm praying. I could tell they had an accent. They were from Manchester. I said, I'm praying. They said, oh, you know when you waved your hand like that? We thought like somebody was drowning and you were waving at them or something. I said, well, I said, I'd, no. One guy, had ginger hair, little freckles, looked at me, said, so who are you? I said, I'm a Christian. I'm a youth worker. I tell people about Jesus. And the other one, scruffy, long hair, brown, he looked at me, said, what do you mean, Jesus? I said, about Jesus. You know, do you mean like God? I said, yeah. I said, you don't know a lot about this stuff, do you? He goes on from Manchester. And <laughs> I know nothing. We don't go to church. The one in the middle was nodding, just like a little up and down. So I said, well, I tell people about how God can save them and how He can rescue them and they can receive new life. I said, you guys need new life. They said, we don't. I said, you do? They said, we don't. I said, really, you do? And the ginger one said, I do not need God. They said, but we've got a friend who does. (laughs) I said, who's this friend? They said, his name's Barry. I said, what are your names? They gave me their names. The ginger one, the scruffy one, and the little one. And... (laughs) And I said, okay. They said, we're going back to Manchester now. And they got into their Ford Focus car. And they waved me goodbye as they drove off. The one wound down the window said, find Barry and tell him about God. And I just thought, this is ridiculous. A few nights later, I'm wandering through. There are 5,000 people, 2,000 staff and I'm not thinking about Barry, and a skinhead walks towards me. And I walk up to him, I said, hi. I said, are you, are you here at the conference? He goes, no, mate. I said, where are you from? He said I'm from Manchester. <laughs> I said, hmm. I said, did your friends drop you off? He goes, yeah. I said, in a Ford Focus? <laughs> yeah. Are their names this, this and this? And he's one ginger, one scruffy and one small. I said, yeah. I said, is your name Barry? He goes, yeah, how do you know? I looked at him and said, God told me. And <laughs> He jumped back. And I, I said, no, I've always wanted to say that. I said, but they told me you're in a mess. They told me you're stuck. He said, there I am. I said, why? He said, I've just got out of prison. I've been, in, um, been inside for a while. I've gone down here because the probation officer sent me. He said, my wife just called. She wants to divorce me. I've got two kids. I've been addicted to heroin. And I'm 19 years old. At that moment, I felt I was inviting somebody that was lost, somebody that needed milk and honey, somebody that needed the bread of life, somebody that needed some daily bread and manna to bring a presence into his life. I went back to his little hovel of a staff quarters and there Barry knelt down and gave his life to Jesus. It's amazing. And it changed his face, changed his enthusiasm, changed everything. Because he was lost. He was hungry. He had enemies. He was lost in the wilderness. And suddenly, in the middle of this camp, manna from heaven was falling. And he was eating. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And he gave his life to Jesus Christ. It was quite funny afterwards. Because he said, oh, well, I won't be needing this, will I? And he pulled open a, a drawer and pulled out a little bag of marijuana pot. If you don't know what that is. <laughs> he said, I won't need this anymore, will I, Pastor? I said, no. He said, here. Here you can have it. (laughs) (laughs) So I took him to the bathroom and we flushed it away. So That's my Jesus. His fridge is empty, Barry's fridge. He had no income. And God provided for his needs as he went back to Manchester. Christian community got around him. God answered his needs, give us this day our daily bread. But he also answered his longings, his soul of where he was lost. Like a Naomi praying for Ruth and Ruth finding a Boaz. Like a Hannah praying for a baby and God giving her the greatest gift. Like a Moses praying for a nation and seeing deliverance. Like a David praying for a temple to be built. The deepest longing of our soul is met by the bread of God. So I want to tell you that this verse means he'll meet your soul and he'll meet your stomach. This verse means a lot to me. (coughs) Give us this day our daily bread. Um seem to have jumped forward or back. Let's go to the Isaiah one. This verse means a lot to me. For a number of reasons. I'm going to get there, look at that. Here we go, here we go. But I'm reminded of this. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all people. A banquet of aged wine, the best of meat and the finest of wine. Doesn't sound lovely? You'll be able to eat the best of meats without worrying about your cholesterol. <laughs> Aged wines. I mean, it's describing a, 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 it's the future of what God gives us. And on this mountain he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all people and the sheets that cover all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away tears from the faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth the Lord has spoken. You're here today if you believe in Jesus because a shroud, a sheet has been removed from your life and where you could not see God, you now see God. Your shroud is gone. And he promises with the new food and the bread of life, he promises that the shroud, That the shroud of the nations, the sheet that covers the nations, will go and the gospel will be preached to all the nations. But I'm reminded that there was somebody that was wrapped in a shroud. He had been nailed to a cross. And on the third day, he exploded from the grave through the shroud and brought life and salvation to us. And invites us all to a banquet where we can pray. Give us this day our daily bread. I go back in my mind to my mum propped up in her double bed. Her life was out of control. She was a mess. She had two young boys. One, 15, who'd just found God and had dragged her to the local church. And she'd found God. And her road with Christ would prove to be lumpy and bumpy, but... And a 10-year-old boy, her youngest son, was also sat on that bed and night by night, single mum living in their little apartment. Dads weren't paying maintenance. I say dads because there'd been a couple. And we cracked the Bible open and every night we would sit there and we would pray a prayer. And we would pray the Lord's Prayer. And we'd get to this part where it would say, give us this day our daily bread. And then as a family, a single mum with two children, we meant that prayer with all of our hearts. Because the truth was, we could do with a bit more food in the fridge. The truth was, Money wasn't coming in. The truth was, there was a lot of needs and bills to be paid and red demands coming through. The truth was that the car wasn't working and it had broken down and was sat on the front of the apartment, which was driving all the neighbours bar me. Were irritated with us because of the old Russian car that we drove called a larder. That no longer had an engine in. I tried to mend it. It didn't go well. But we pray this. Give us this day our daily bread. Because we needed God to fill our stomachs. And I want to tell you. That God never failed us. New to the faith. But God never failed. The manna kept falling. And it was fresh every day. He ministered to my soul. He ministered to our soul. And so to finish off, first question is this What truly satisfies your soul? It is the presence of God over the manna in the ark of the covenant that kept it fresh and it's the presence of God and the fresh bread of God today that will keep your life fresh. But what is satisfying you? Secondly I want to remind you that yes God cares about your broken down washing machine. He cares about your fridge. He cares about your needs and your inability to pay those bills. And he wants to be involved with your life. Fourthly, thirdly, (laughs) what he wants to do, and we can't preach this without one other element, the world. I can't pray, give me this day my daily bread, without praying for the thousands that are starving around the world for those who are in prison today For those that are in North Korea and are tortured for their faith, Sudan, Syria, in ISIS-held areas, in communistic countries where the gospel is not preached, or even in liberal, secular countries where Christianity is being pushed to the margins. But when I pray, give us this day our daily bread, I pray locally, but it demands that I become a global Christian. I have to care and I have to do something about the starving in the world today because I'm part of that answer. And finally, give us this day our daily bread, of course, says to me that I need to be a man of communion. I need to take the bread, I need to take the wine, I need to remember his death, I need to remember his blood. I need to remember all that he's done to me. And that makes me thankful. A metaphor from the Old Testament is that bread sustains us. And one of the Hebrew pictures for bread is a staff that holds you up when you're going on a long journey. Fascinating. Well, I want you to take hold of your staff the bread of life for your soul and for your stomach. And know that God will meet your deepest longings and know that God will also meet your daily needs. So pray with confidence, pray with strength and know that he cares about each one of us. So let us pray together. what satisfies your soul fully today lord i thank you for the most beautiful words give us this day our daily bread i thank you that you are disloyal to a worldly system but loyal to the heart of god i thank you that you welcome all that are lost to a beautiful table to feed. I thank you, Lord, that my deepest soul longings are only met by the bread of life. I thank you, Lord, that you satisfy me, that you meet my needs. I thank you, Lord, that you care about the starving millions in this world, and we pray, and we groan. And we pray, God, help us to be global Christians in our response. Help us, Lord, to reach out in our little ways to make a difference. And always lead us to the bread at the table that says your body was broken for me. May I live with that bread in my life today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together.